0: Well, for the last time, go ahead and open your Bibles up to the book of Ephesians. We've been in Ephesians for like 35 weeks. Last week we covered the final passage in the book and I told you that today we're going to do a recap. And the recap is gonna be two parts. We're gonna go through the book and pick out uh, one little part of each chapter as a way of reminding ourselves where we've been in the book. And then I'm gonna draw two main takeaways from the book. And we'll leave uh, ourselves with those takeaways heading into Thanksgiving week. Um, but to begin with, what I want to do is if, if you've ever been to the Olive Garden, you know, you look through the, the menu and, and sometimes you don't know what you want to order. And so they came up with this great idea. You could you could get this one dish called the Tour of Italy. Have you ever had the Tour of Italy? And they, they give you like one of three different things, like lasagna, masticcioli, and something else. And so you can get a sample of the best. And that's what we're going to do first. We are going to do a, kind of a, a tour of Ephesians, um, and then we'll come back and I'll give uh, two points to take away. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the book together. Father, I just pray that as again, as, as we are not gathering in person, but we are gathering online today, meet us in your word. And you have taught us wonderful things from this book. Uh, We just pray that you would continue to remind us of what you have revealed to us. I just pray that as we go one last time through the book, that you would just bring, uh, Lord, to remembrance all the wonderful things that we've learned about you, your church, and about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would just bless our hearts today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, are you there? Ephesians chapter 1. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, here's what it says. It says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that's amazing because everything everything is in christ all that heaven has to offer is in christ and christ is ours and therefore god hasn't held anything back from us Now, the rest of chapter 1 outlined all of the blessings that we find in Christ. But the main point that we learned in chapter 1 is that if you have Christ, you have everything that God wants to give you forever. If you don't have Christ, you're missing out on everything heavenly in this life and in the next life. So that kicked things off. If you look at chapter 2, chapter 2 had a bit of a, a shocker in the beginning. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, And you were dead. It's an interesting way to start a sentence. You, who me, yes you, you were dead. (laughs) I was. In the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. The idea there is that chapter 2 shows us our starting spiritual condition. We were spiritually dead before Christ saved us. This is your spiritual starting point and mine and everyone who lives on your block. We were dead. And therefore, Jesus had to come and bring us new life. So we found that in chapter 2. It laid out the foundation for the gospel. In verse 4, it says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is a wonderful truth. We don't do anything to save ourselves or to give ourselves new life. God made us alive in Christ, and it's by grace. Grace means that we can't earn it. We can't work for it. We can't check off enough boxes. We can't get rid of the bad. We can't add in the good. None of that works. God has to give us life by his grace in his Son. Now, if you check out chapter 3, In Ephesians chapter 3, look at verse 20, and this is one of the verses we'll come back to after we do our tour to Ephesians. But it says in chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's actually where the theme verse for this entire series came from. Verse 21, to him be glory in the church. In the church. In chapter 4, it goes on then to get very practical. and says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So the idea is that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We needed it because we were dead. He gave it to us according to his grace. and, And now he gets tremendous glory in the church and throughout all generations. Therefore, we are to walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. A lot of people get this backwards. They think, if I walk in a manner worthy of God, then he'll give me a glorious future in heaven. That's backwards living. You can't walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord until he gives you new life in Christ and until he promises you paradise based on grace. Then he will also empower you to live a life that pleases him. So looking ahead uh, in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Are you with me now? Come on, keep up. Keep those pages turning. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 it says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What motivates us? Well, we were saved by Christ giving up his life for us. And therefore, we love those in the body of Christ and those in the world. We live a life of love because he loved us. It's the love of Christ that his body was broken on the cross, his blood was poured out for you. When you realize that an innocent man died so that you can be saved forever, it transforms how you see other people in your life, especially difficult people in the world and in the church. So we were challenged in chapter 5 to walk in love. And look at chapter 5, verse 15. It says in chapter 5, verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we're we're beckoned in this chapter to make our lives count by aligning our choices with God's will. You know, we're not supposed to say, hey, we're going to heaven, we're saved, we're saved by grace, and God's forgiven all of our sins. Let's live a wild life and party and get plastered. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to say, Wow, based on his great, tremendous love for us, how can we live uh, in in this world showing our love for Christ? Now, when we got to chapter 6, we camped there for a while because there was the famous passage about the armor of God. And so if you look at chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, This is a call to victory, to progress, to maturity. This is a call not to falling back into the old, but to heading heading forward into the new. And the strength all comes from God in Christ. It's not ours. We can't get the victory on our own, but it's ours in Christ. Well, those are some of the best passages from each chapter. And now we're going to circle back to chapter 3. The theme verse is verse 20. So go back to chapter 3, uh, verse 20. And... Um, What we find here is one of our two takeaways. So it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. All right, pointing out the obvious here. We've got our series title from this verse. Glory in the church, the study in Ephesians. There's so much. Other than glory in the church today, there's sin, there's selfishness, there's rivalry, but God's will is that glory would be in the church. And so the sermon now is the two takeaways are going to be remember two things. And the first one comes from chapter three, verses 20 to 21. So you can write this down. Hey, remember this. After 30 plus weeks in Ephesians, remember this. All glory is in Christ. All of it. Go ahead and write that down. All glory Is in Christ. This means that Jesus is the only glorious thing in you and in your church and in your world and in history and in heaven. All of the glory is in Christ. God put it there. And when we understand that that's the case, we can say, Amen. Like it said here, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. All glory is in Christ. What is glory? Glory is evidence that God has been somewhere or done something. No one can see God and live. We're not capable of surviving the encounter of God truly manifesting himself to us. But, God has found ways to reveal himself. He reveals himself in nature. Creation reveals the glory of God. But he fully revealed himself in Christ. And so God wants to give us evidence that he's been somewhere or that he's done something. And he put all his glory in his son. Therefore, when we encounter Christ and we're born again and we're made new, the spirit of Christ comes to live within us. And then, guess what? The very glory of heaven shines through our lives. Now, we become proof that God has been somewhere and that he has done something. He's transformed our lives. Now, when you put a bunch of us together, we become what's called a church. And the church is meant to radiate with the heavenly glory of Christ as our lives are being transformed so that the world might know that God has been here and that God has done something. Now, If we show forth the greatness of Christ by being transformed and saved, then other people will be drawn in to the glory of Christ. So we are supposed to realize that all glory is in Christ. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. That's really awesome. You can write that down as the first sub-point here. God is able to do far more abundantly than all you ask or imagine. All glory is in Christ, and he has done, and he is doing more than you could ever ask. Now, I I know a lot of people who like to talk a lot, and and I think to myself, there are probably people who ask God for a lot. Like, they talk to God a lot, and they ask him for a lot. So this is a pretty bold thing for God to put in the Bible. He could do far more abundantly than all we ask, all we ask. Imagine seeing the list of things you've asked God for. It would be a long flowing list, right? He could do more than all of it. Not just you ask. He can do more than what all of us have asked throughout all generations. And he says, or think, or think. So those are the things you thought of but didn't even ask for because you didn't get around to it or you thought maybe God would say no. He's able to do more. That's a pretty astonishing reality there. God is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or imagine. Now, this doesn't mean that we're waiting for it. You know, one day he will. It means he's already done it in Christ. And based on what he's already given us, every heavenly blessing in Christ, therefore, we're to conclude he can do anything more than we could ever ask or imagine. I read a story recently about George Clooney. Here's a picture of George Clooney. And apparently uh, several years ago, I think it was back in 2013, George Clooney was thinking to himself, you know What? I've got a lot of money and I've got a lot of friends. And I put my friends in my will, but I'm gonna, why am I waiting around to get hit by a bus before I bless my friends? I'm gonna bless them now. And so George Clooney called, I think, 14 of his friends to this warehouse. And he said, Hey, you guys have been there for me. You've picked me up when I've been down. You've been the support that I needed. And I've traveled the world and hit it big. And so I just wanted to bless you guys. He gave each one of his friends, a million dollars cash in a briefcase. All right. Now, wow, what a day to be a friend of George Clooney. Like, did they even think that that would ever happen to them? Well, listen, I've got news for you. God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. God gathered us around and said, I've got my son for you. And if you think a million dollars in a briefcase is good, how about a mountain of gold that lasts forever? Jesus Christ is the treasure of heaven. He's the king of kings, and God has given him to us. Wow. God has put all his glory in Christ, and therefore he's able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or imagine. So are you asking? Are you imagining Are you believing that God has put all glory in Christ and given that to you in his son? And then it says this, according to the power that is at work within us. So you can write this down. Uh, All glory is in Christ. He's able to do anything because his power is at work within us. So he has placed this glorious power in the person of his Holy Spirit inside of us. And therefore, we, we are the presence of Christ on the earth. Through us, through the church, the wisdom and the power of God is revealed to the nations. One way of thinking about this is we become like a city on a hill. We become like a light. Um, And so when you think about a lighthouse, that's what God wants the church to be. His power and his presence emanating from us to a dark and lost and fallen world. So check this out. I've got some pictures uh, of lighthouses here and you can see that the job of a lighthouse is to protect ships from running aground from hitting the shore and sometimes they don't do their job Um, but at night in particular you have this this beautiful picture of a lighthouse that is warning ships to not you know get too close to the rocks this is what the church is supposed to be a light in the darkness showing heaven's light in christ and welcoming people safely to shore. But sadly, this is what happens often to many churches. They freeze over. They don't share the gospel. They don't beckon others safely home. And therefore, the world is not reached for Christ. So all glory is in Christ. God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. He's doing it in us and through us because his power is at work within us. This is a staggering thought. Glory in the church means glory in us emanating to the world. That's the first thing we want to remember from the book of Ephesians. Number one, all glory is in Christ. Now, for the second one, we're going to go to chapter 5, verse 20. So you can skip ahead to chapter 5, verse 20, and you can write it down. The second point is this. Be grateful. Number one, all glory is in Christ. And number two, be grateful. It's a perfect Thanksgiving takeaway. If we're going to remember two things from this book, the first one is all glories in Christ. And the second one is be grateful. It's time for a little spot check. Thanksgiving is this week. It's 2020. How are you doing at being grateful? Uh, do you have a thankful heart right now? After all that's happened this year, are you gearing up and getting ready To be thankful on Thanksgiving? I know the answer is no. We're just not feeling it, right? Thanksgiving, shouldn't Thanksgiving be canceled in 2020? Shouldn't we put it off until next year? Well, no. As Christians, we are to be grateful. And so in Ephesians 5, verse 20, it says this giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to like this verse, but I'm going to read it again. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always and for everything. That includes this year and it includes everything that's happened in this year. Now, that's not happy to be thankful for all of that. How is that even possible? Well, we, we want to be happy, don't we? And there are all these studies that constantly come out about what leads to human happiness. I saw one that just came out last week, and here's what it said. New study reveals that nearly half of happiness is genetic, so most of us are doomed. That was the headline. New study reveals nearly half of happiness is genetic, so most of us are doomed. This is, why do they even publish articles like this? So there are some people wondering, I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? Why am I not happy? Maybe it's my genes. Maybe genetically I just inherited an or spirit and I'm just not genetically programmed to be happy because I haven't been happy in a long time. Well, friends, we know better than that. But we look for happiness in the wrong places, don't we? We want to be happy, but we keep looking in the wrong places. How can we be grateful In this world, during a global pandemic, how on earth can we be grateful? Well, we can be grateful because everything is already ours in Christ. The Father has given us every spiritual blessing imaginable in Christ. In Christ. When it comes to being grateful, we have to realize that we don't have to amass a lot of different things before we can be happy. We can be thankful because of what we have in Christ. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said this, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. That's good, isn't it? When you have Christ, you have it all. Even if you have everything else, doesn't add to it. We find in Christ everything necessary to be grateful. Jot this down. Here's the challenge. Be grateful always and for everything. Always and for everything. How can we do that, really? Well, look back at chapter 5 and verse 18. We'll show the lead-in where it says this. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Good little Thanksgiving reminder there. Uh, But be filled with the Spirit. The idea there is that we are in a great relationship with God and His Word and others. And therefore, His Spirit is, Is flowing through us. His spirit has governing control over us. To be filled with the spirit can happen in an ongoing basis. It means you've got short accounts with God and and good relationships with others. But it also goes on to say this addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So God's word is in you and you are singing. You are singing. Is, is that you? If we are to be grateful always and for everything, we have to go to God's word and listen to what he says there. If you're just always on Twitter, if you're just always on Facebook, if we're just always soaking in the doomsday stuff, every waking minute, our spirits are going to sag and we're going to be emptied of joy, right? Do you want to know how depressing this year is? I, I heard one more thing this week. Each year they pick a word of the year, all right? They, they pick a word of the year and they release 2020's word of the year. You ready for it? Here it is. Word of the year 2020 is lockdown. Lockdown, named word of the year by Collins Dictionary. <laughs> Why? Why? We're going to be grateful in a year where the word of the year is lockdown? It doesn't seem to work. But look, if we fill ourselves with the Spirit of God, If we have prayer time with him, if we're in his word, if we're singing those songs, right? If we're around other Christians, we're not cut off. We are actually going to be grateful. And you can write this down too. Here's the last sub point. Worship the Lord with all your heart. This is a call to gratitude always and for everything by worshiping the Lord with all of our heart. Hey, this is a great week for you to take some time and to get your Spotify worship playlist together and and to sing to the Lord. You can, if you're older school, pull out the CDs, right? Or if you're really old school, get the cassettes out. But, I mean, put the music on and sing loudly to the Lord. Fill your heart with the Spirit of God Get in the Psalms and pray them to God. Tell him how thankful you are. I know there's a lot about 2020 that is not ideal. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of frustration. But look, this week, as we close out this book, as we head into Thanksgiving, this is not a week for complaining. This is not a week for bickering. This is not a week for sulking. This is a week for saying, you know what, Lord? I am so thankful for everything you have given me in Christ. Things that can never, ever be taken away from me. That's what this week is for. When we end a book of the Bible, God wants us to remember everything he's taught us. And the first big thing I want to remember as a church is all glory is in Christ. He's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. He has done it. He is doing it. He will do it. And his power is at work within us right now. And second, we have to be grateful. Always and for everything, even in a year of lockdown, worship the Lord with all your heart. Let's pray together. Father, what a challenge. What a challenge to look away from everything that steals our joy. What, what a challenge to, to allow our hearts, Lord, to be governed by a grateful spirit because in Christ we already have everything we need to be happy forever. My prayer for our church this week is that we would be glad that you would remind us of everything you've promised us in Christ and help us to lay all of our burdens at your feet and to cast all of our anxieties on you and to praise you with all of our hearts. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you would continue to fill us with your glory.